0: I'm on mute again. There we go. Thank you, Heather, for that and and all of those that helped with that. What a blessing. John chapter 16 this morning. Can we meet there? Gospel of John and chapter 16. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How many hundreds if not thousands of prayers have we either prayed or heard prayed that ended with those exact words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And we are so accustomed to hearing those words at the end of a prayer that we almost feel uncomfortable if someone doesn't close a prayer that way. It's almost in our mind we're thinking, well, that's not even legal. That's not right. That's not even a real prayer. It didn't end with, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. But have you ever stopped to think why we pray like that? The answer is in our text today, John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto, if ye ask me nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Jesus thought it important enough to pray in his name that he actually mentioned it Three times in the short amount of time. Now, we have spent a couple of months studying this portion of the Gospel of John that we call the Upper Room Discourse, where Jesus has gathered his 11 disciples. Now Judas is gone. And he's teaching them, and he's talking to them, and he's expressing some wonderful truths. And we've looked at all of that. But he gets to this point in chapter 16, and he talks about praying to the Father in the name of the Son. And we find it, and again, keep in mind here, he's just hours away from the cross. And three times, if, if if you have your Bible open, turn back a page or two to chapter 14. Chapter 14, I didn't touch on this part of chapter 14 because I knew that we were getting there in chapter 16, but look back at chapter 14, John, and look at verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you need to, to chapter 15 and look at verse 16. Look at the end of that verse, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So there we have three times... In three chapters, Jesus said that if we will pray in his name, then we will get what we ask for. So that means when we pray for that job promotion, we're going to get it. It's as good as gotten, right? And when we ask God to help us win a ball game, then we're, we're guaranteed to win because we closed our prayer with the words in Jesus' name. And the other day, when some of you prayed to win the lottery, and you closed your prayer with In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. I mean, you might as well just gone out and bought that house and all the furniture to fill it, and that new boat and that pickup to pull it, because the check's in the mail, right? What do you mean, no? Did Jesus say what he meant and meant what he said or not? Who has a red letter Bible? I don't want all your stuff. I just Look at that. Come on. It goes on your refrigerator. Sure enough, there it is. What does it mean when it's in red? It means Jesus said it. Okay. How's oh, that print big enough? <laughs> <laughs> I like to share. So Jesus said it, and here's what he said: Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, and ye shall receive, ask ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Those words are in Jesus, right? Yes. Or in red. That means Jesus said them, right? So does that mean Jesus lied? So, if Jesus is telling the truth, then that means every time my son-in-law steps to the plate, he's going to get a hit. Because my wife is sitting in the chair with her head bowed and her eyes closed, (laughs) praying that he'll get a hit. And I've heard her pray enough to, listen, listen. He's going to hit the game-winning home run in game seven of the World Series, and she's going to miss it. Because every time he steps to the plate, her head is bowed, her eyes are closed, and she's praying that he'll get a hit. Dead serious. And I have heard her pray enough times to know that she prays in Jesus' name. But I've also watched my son... My son-in-law and enough professional at bats to know <laughs> that he doesn't get a hit every time he steps to the plate, even though his mother-in-law in Kansas has her head bowed and her eyes closed, and she's praying, and she's praying in Jesus' name. So what's up with that? Jesus said, if you'll pray in my name, then you'll get it. I I don't get it. So obviously, obviously Jesus isn't telling the truth, right? Obviously, this little formula in Jesus' name doesn't work. Obviously, this is not what Jesus really meant. Or, or, could it be that we're misapplying the Lord's words here. I think, I think that's what's being done in some cases. And sadly, in some cases, it's caused people to walk away from God because He didn't keep His word by doing what they asked Him to do in Jesus' name. Now if you'll stay with me this morning, I've been a bit facetious obviously, but if you'll stay with me this morning with the Lord's help, I believe that we could all walk away from here with a better understanding of this phrase in particular, and a better understanding really of prayer overall. And here's where I want to begin this morning. You have to work a little bit uh, to, to, to stay with me, okay? But I want to begin this morning by, by giving you a really simplified version of what it means to interpret the Bible, how to interpret the Bible correctly. These will be very, uh, three very quick, very simple thoughts on how to find the real meaning to Scripture. All right, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we must understand the context. Here's what that means. It means that we don't, uh, we just don't want to know what one particular verse says, but we want to know the context. We want to know the setting, so we want to know what was said before that verse, and we want to know what was said after that verse. We want to know who it was that wrote it, We want to know uh, who it was written to. Listen, we we can't just go in and pick out one verse and, and base our whole life on that one verse. That's what's happened to far too many people who got all wrapped up in, in the teaching of some TV or, or radio preacher, and, and they heard him say, or they heard her say, uh, whatever, and they pulled these verses out of context, and they convinced people that if they would just pray in Jesus' name, then their loved one would be healed. If they would just pray in Jesus' name, then their wayward child would come home, or they would go out, and they would find a check in the mailbox. And when they prayed in Jesus' name, and when that didn't happen, who do you suppose they got angry at? It wasn't the false prophet on TV. It wasn't the false prophet on the radio. That's not who they got mad at. They got mad at God. Because God didn't come through with them when Prophet Whistlebritches said that he would. So folks, listen, when you read your Bible and you study your Bible, do so in context. Secondly, we want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. The best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. Again, if we're going to be serious Bible students, then we're not just going to take one verse and stake our whole life on it or build an entire theological position on that one verse. What we're going to do is compare it to what other verses have to say about the same subject, and we're going to establish our beliefs on the consistency of all God-inspired Scripture. And then the third thing we're going to do is we are going to apply what we learn to our lives. You see, the Bible is not just a book to be studied. It is a book to be lived. Here's how James put it in the first chapter uh, of his book. He said, but be ye, what church? Doers of the word and not hearers, or I would insert there, studiers only. Because when you are just a studier, or you are just a hearer, but you are not a doer, look what he says happens. You deceive yourself. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, that's the Bible, it's the word of God. But whosoever looketh in the Bible, in the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So we are to be what, church? Doers of The Word, if we study it and learn it, but don't apply it, then we're just deceiving ourselves if we think somehow that we are legitimate Bible students at that point. I mean, we're we're like the person who sees themselves in the mirror, and they, they see that they've got some food in their teeth, but they don't do anything about it. They just turn around and walk off. And so they spend the rest of their day looking like a real goober. So here's your first takeaway of the morning. Don't be a goober. Look at the person next to you and say, don't be a goober, goober. Don't be a goober. Be a doer of the Word. Don't just sit here and listen to this message on prayer this morning and then go out of here and not do anything with it. Don't don't just listen and not apply it to your life. We are to be doers of the Word. So if we're going to find the right meaning of Scripture, what are we going to do? We're going to understand the context, We're going to interpret Scripture with Scripture, and then we're going to apply what we learn to the way we live. Now, let's do just that with John chapter 16. So let's begin with the context. What is the the context in which Jesus spoke these words? Well, to start with, the context of John chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 is not prayer. The context is the preparation of his disciples for his departure. He had told them before we ever come to John chapter 3. He had told them that he was going away, but it never really sunk in. The disciples never really got it until now. And the reality that Jesus was about to die and that they were about to be on their own is starting to sink in, and it's really troubling them. And so Jesus is doing his best to comfort them. He tells them that he's going away in chapter 14, but don't worry. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come back for you. And he takes this opportunity to inform them that with his departure would come the arrival of the Holy Spirit who would comfort them and teach them and guide them. And another comforting thought to them would be this truth about prayer. But to build your entire Prayer life upon these verses would not be wise. Why? Because the second thing that you need to do is compare Scripture with Scripture, and particularly in this case, Scriptures that talk about answered prayer. And so with what time we have left this morning, I want to use the majority of that to do exactly this thing. I want us to look at some other scriptures that have to do with answered prayer and see why, if we've prayed in Jesus' name, our prayers aren't always answered just the way we pray them. Are there some other conditions That must be met? Are there some some other things that God is concerned with besides just ending our prayer? In Jesus' name I pray, amen? The answer to those questions is yes. There actually are a number of other things that God is concerned with when it comes to prayer. And the first one we'll look at is this, our relationships. Let me share some more words of Jesus from Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Jesus said this, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. Boom! Cha-ching! Right there it is. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe that God's going to do it, and God's going to do it. Awesome! What a great promise. Wait a minute. We said we're going to look at things in context. So that means we're going to look at the verses before it. We're going to look at the verse after it. Let me show you the verse right after that, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, what's that next word? Say it again. Say it louder. Forgive. forgive. If ye have ought against any that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. Evidently, our relationships matter to God. And if we're ticked off at somebody, and we try to pray, it will be for naught. It doesn't matter if you it if you in Jesus' name or not it's gonna hit the ceiling and fall right back down. Let me put it like this, parents. Let's say your kids have been fighting all day long, and all you've heard is, he hit me, she touched me, he looked at me, she came into my room, and it's been like that from sun up. It has gone on all day long, and that's all you've heard, that's all you've dealt with. And then right before supper, One of those little darlings comes to you and says, Hey, Mom, can I have somebody spend the night? And you're like, Are you kidding me? All you've done the entire day is fight and bicker and argue. No, you're not having anybody over tonight. Same concept. Oh, God, I really need you to do this. I really need you to do that. Uh, Wait a minute. How long have you been mad at him? How long have you been mad at her? Listen, just this morning, you were angry. Uh, No. Come back and talk to me once you've gotten your act together. Come back and talk to me once you've made things right with him or with her. Maybe you've prayed and prayed about something, but it seems like God just keeps saying no. Could it be because you're not in a right relationship with someone? Let me throw this out there for us husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And then every man lift up that last phrase with me together out loud, that your prayers be not hindered. That was weak, weak, weak. Wimpy men. I don't like wimpy men. God doesn't like wimpy men. Let's go back and read that again out loud, guys. It's the bottom line. You can read it Everybody out loud, come on, guys, that your prayers be not hindered. Very simple, guys. When we treat our wives bad and we're at odds with them, we have no reason to expect that God's going to come through for us. Our relationships matter to God when it comes to answered prayer. But here's something else that matters. Our motives. I showed you some verses from James chapter 1 earlier. Look at these from James chapter 4. He said, Ye ask and receive not. Because ye ask amiss. Or improperly or in the wrong manner. That ye may consume it upon your lust. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we're asking with the wrong motives. Those of you who know your your Bible, you know that during the life of Christ, He often rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees because the reason they prayed was to be seen and heard of men. Their motive was their own self-promotion. And Jesus was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 that's not going to cut it. You're not going to stand here and pray just to make yourself look good and expect to receive anything from God. Solomon reminds us that God knows what's in our hearts. Look at what he said in in Proverbs chapter 16. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. James said that the reason God doesn't give us what we ask for sometimes is because we ask selfishly. Whatever we're asking for is for us. And only us. Listen, church, that's not a good motive. It's for our own fulfillment. It's for our own promotion. It's for our own success. It's for our own glory. And that is not a good motivation for praying. So our relationships matter to God. Our motives matter. Matter to God when it comes to prayer. And here's a third thing. Our faith matters when it comes to prayer. Remember, we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Yes, Jesus said, Whatsoever we ask in His name, He will do. But what we've learned to this point is that He's not going to do it if we're guilty of unforgiveness. And He's not going to do it if our motives aren't pure and he's not going to do it if we're not praying in faith the book of James again chapter one said this if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and he shall be given but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wathers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. God only answers prayers that are prayed in faith. Why? Because without faith, Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if we're not pleasing God, then he's not going to answer our prayer. So here's us, and we're over here, and we're praying, and we're asking God to do this, but all the time in our heart we're saying, ah, I don't think he will. I don't think it's going to happen. Nah, I'll keep praying, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And over here is God, and God saying, you know, they're praying and praying and praying, but they don't believe I'm going to do it, so you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Pretty simple. Not real difficult to understand. So, if you're taking notes this morning, here's what you can conclude right now. If your relationships are all good, and your motives are pure, and if you have enough faith, then God has got to do whatever you ask him to do, right? Right? No. There's also the matter of his will. God's will. The same John that wrote the Gospel of John wrote three other smaller letters that became books of the Bible. Toward the end of your Bible there, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John... He said this, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And again, here's where some people have jumped ship on Jesus because when they prayed for their loved one to be healed or they prayed for that promotion at work or whatever, to the best of their knowledge, their relationships were right and their motives were pure and they really believed that God was going to do it But he didn't. And when he didn't, they were like, that's it. I'm done. I'm through with this. I'm done with the Bible. I'm done with God. I'm done with Jesus. I'm done with church. I'm done with praying. But they never stopped to consider that maybe what they were asking wasn't a part of God's will for their life. One of the first things that we should do before we ever ask God anything is to surrender our will to His will. That's what Jesus taught us to do in the model prayer. You remember when he he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, whose will be done, thy will be done. When Jesus prayed that agonizing prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you remember what he prayed there? Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done if we have any hope of God answering our prayer and we have to be willing to say God I want what you want more than I want what I To pray in Jesus' name is to pray in a way that is consistent with how Jesus prayed. And that was in complete surrender and submission to the will of God. And then here's one final thought with respect to prayer. It takes us back to John chapter 14 and verse 13, where Jesus said, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Our relationships matter, our motives matter. Our faith matters. God's will matters. And God's glory matters. To glorify God means many things, not the least of which is to enhance His reputation in the world. Everything Jesus did in His life On this earth, he did to make the Father look good in the eyes of others. When all is said and done, our prayer ought to be this. God, do what brings the most glory to your name. And if that means that he doesn't do what we ask him to do, then so be it. Listen, if prayer is only a tool for me to get what I want, come on, that's an insult to God. If all I do is go to God, say, God do this, and God do that, and God give me this, and God give me that. What does that do? I'll tell you what it does. It makes God my servant. And God is not my servant. I am God's servant. And i tell you this. If you haven't gotten anything else today, get this. If God doesn't do what I ask Him to do, that does not lessen who He is. It doesn't wreck my faith because my faith is not in Him doing what I ask Him to do. My faith is in His love for me And his desire for what is best for me. And when that is what your faith is based upon, listen to me, it changes everything. That means when God doesn't come through, he's still good. When God doesn't come through, he's still God. Because he knows what's best for me more than I know what's best for me. And yes, I really wanted this to happen, but it didn't happen. But God is still good, God, and he's still good. And my faith is in him and his love for me and the fact that he knows what's best for me. And if you'll hang on to that truth, you'll not bail on God. When things don't turn out the way you want them to turn out. So we've looked at the context. And we've compared Scripture with Scripture. So what's what's the last thing to do? Don't be a goober. Don't be a goober. Apply what you've learned To your life. So here we go. Let's start with our relationships. Is there someone you're angry with? Is there somebody you're bitter against? You need to get that worked on. You need to get that cleared up. What about motive? You may have been praying for something for for some time now, but to no avail. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you examined your motives? Have you stopped to ask yourself, why do I want God to do this? Are you asking for the betterment and blessing of others? Or are you just purely praying for your own benefit? Are you praying in faith? Or are you over here praying and asking God to do this, but yet in the back of your mind saying it's not going to happen? I don't even know why I'm doing this. God's not going to do it. But I don't know why you're doing it either. Because you're right, God's not going to do it. Are you fully surrendered to God's will? That's a big one. There's so many things we pray about. This is so huge. Can you honestly and sincerely say to God, not my will, but your will? And then what about God's glory? Who are you hoping looks good if God does what you're asking Him to do? At the end of the day, who's the spotlight going to be shined on if God does what you're asking Him to do? Is the spotlight going to be on you? Or is the spotlight going to be on God? Would you pray with me? As is the case every service here, there are so many needs.